Did, do you develop your own tare recipes from scratch too? Or are you kind of like basing it off recipes? No, dude, I use, I use your recipe. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> Which one? The one, uh, I think you made a video on it. The first tare video that I did? I think. Oh man, yeah. that's cool. That's not, in my, that's not that's, my recipe. That's a recipe from some Japanese YouTuber that I just translated. But... Well, it works. Like, ah, nice. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Way of Ramen podcast. In today's episode, I sit down with Hung Tran, also known as Ramen Addict on Instagram. Hung is a home ramen cook based in the DMV Washington DC area who has been making ramen since around 2016. True to his name, he's on pace this year to average over a bowl a day and has already taken two trips to Japan since January to eat ramen. So true ramen addict here. In this episode, Hung talks about some of the ramen he ate on his recent trips to Japan, how he gets his noodle filled so pretty, his process for making ramen at home, and about making ramen friends and the overall ramen internet community. Been meaning to get Hung on the show for a while and I was so glad to finally connect with him. So that being said, here's Hung aka Ramen Addict. Thanks so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah. So could you start off by introducing yourself and how you got into ramen a little bit? I know a lot of people on Instagram already know who you are, but for people who are new to the podcast or just listen to the podcast. Okay, so my name is, uh, my handle is Ramen Addict and my name is Hung, Hung Tran. Uh, how did I get into this? Uh, oh, it's just kind of picked me actually <laughs> like uh I went to Japan in 2016 and I had my first bowl of like actual authentic Japanese ramen there and it just like changed my mind about ramen because before I was eating ramen like whenever I go to New York with my friends but I wasn't really that into it like it didn't really taste that great but then after Japan it's like damn, this is what ramen is actually supposed to taste like. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you had like the instant ramen growing up and stuff like that. And then going to Japan yeah, yeah. in 2016 was the first like, holy shit, this is actually what ramen is supposed yeah. to be. Oh, I see. I see. And you grew up in, oh, the, D- in the DC area? Uh, yeah. Like I used to live in Maryland, mm-hmm. uh, but now I'm actually in DC, like, proper dc <laughs> so and we call this area like dmv dmv yeah yeah and when you were growing up was there like any ramen shops locally or was it kind of because i know like eric's in that area too now right yeah eric is uh eric who's from menya hosaki he is based in maryland but he's actually going to open a shop soon in dc nice but when you were growing yeah. up, were there any shops or anything like local shops, ramen shops? Uh, not really. <laughs> I mean, we have a few in DC. It's, uh, they're owned by like this one uh, guy who has like four or five different shops. Uh-huh. But it, like the scene here is nothing like New York. Like, yeah, not even close. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I'm in Hawaii, so I don't even know what the New York scene looks and feels like. But uh, it seems like there's a lot of action there in terms of, like, even Japanese shops opening up in New York yeah. City. I think New York is, like, where they 
the Japanese shops go to experiment hmm. and do different things. Yeah. I see. So you, you went to Japan. Was it your first time to Japan in 2016 or was it the first time that you ate ramen and you've been to Japan before that? Oh, well, I, I had ramen before Japan, like mm-hmm. in New York, like Toto, Ipudo. Mm-hmm. But 2016 was my first trip to Japan. And my first meal was actually like this, like uh, I walked into a random chain ramen restaurant. They had like a special with gyoza for like, show you ramen with gyoza for like $5. <laughs> nice. Something crazy cheap like that, but it was so good. Yeah. And so, so that kind of like sparked the interest in trying to make it when you got home. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I had a few more bowls on that trip. And then when I got home, I was like, damn, I'm really craving right now. <laughs> and I couldn't find that the same flavor and taste as in Japan. So that led me to like doing some research online, like how to make ramen. And then I was like, okay, I see Reddit. There's some recipes. Maybe I should try. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So did you, did you start off with Mike's recipes or how did you get started? What was your first kind of bowls of ramen that you made at home? Hmm. First bowl of ramen. This is a while ago. <laughs> uh, I, don't know, I, I, I saw Mike on, actually I didn't see him on Reddit. I saw him on Instagram. Okay. And then I saw what he was posting up. I was like, Oh, this looks really good. So I think my first bowl that I tried to make was a, uh, just a tonkatsu, like basic tonkatsu. Mm-hmm. And it was a lot of hard work. <laughs> it, it took like two days for me to make. And at first, like my first bowl was not that great. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it was like, I probably used the wrong noodles. Mm-hmm. I probably used some kind of, like miso noodle, like for miso ramen, but uh-huh. I used it for the tonkatsu. It's like, uh. <laughs> that seems to be pretty par for the course for everybody's. Everybody tries tonkotsu right off the bat and yeah. it doesn't turn out very well. I get messages on Instagram saying, like, I just tried. I'm so disappointed. You know, like, it's, yeah. You're not, it's just like even Neil couldn't make the jump in the matrix. So that's kind of. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like. Tonkatsu, at the time, I thought that tonkatsu was like the ultimate mm-hmm. lunch. Like if you could nail a tonkatsu ramen, you could do pretty much any ramen. But now I realize that, no, that's like, tonkatsu act- is actually like one of the easier mm-hmm. else to make because all you're doing is boiling the hell out of bones. Yeah, yeah. I but, find that like with tonkatsu, my problem is that the soup is really easy to make, but balancing okay. the the tare and the other things with it, I feel like you can get away with a lot with the soup because it's so like, you know, it tastes just the soup itself is thick and it tastes good. But I also, I don't know, maybe I'm just overly critical, but I can always feel it when it's not quite perfectly matching. I don't know if you get that mm-hmm. too, but. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like sometimes it'll be like too porky. Yeah. Too funky. Yeah, yeah, or just like too salty sometimes with the tare. Like it is, you know. As I know that you were doing some research with the temperature changing and stuff like that. 
you know, as it gets colder and well, stuff. I wouldn't call that research. <laughs> you read an article on the internet. <laughs> I, I read one article <laughs> and I pretty much just skimmed the abstract. I didn't really go deep into it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's considered research in the ramen world. I think <laughs> reading one article. Yeah. So, so your first one is tonkotsu, and then what did you go on from there? Did you keep trying to get like a tonkotsu down, or did you go on to making other things? Um, I think I, after that, I just started experimenting with like the sun noodle ramen kits mm -hmm. they had, and then just like making it my own, like adding a bit of my tonkotsu to like the miso tare that they had and just made like making my own chashu uh trying to make aroma oil but back then i i was so amateur like i didn't know what aroma oil was for actually <laughs> it's like okay i'll try it why not yeah 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 it's kind of like that standard uh dunning-kruger line that everybody kind of like when you don't really know much, you feel like you know a lot. And then once you start to learn more and more, your confidence just drops because you can see everybody yeah. else that knows so much more than you. Yeah. It's kind yeah. of like standard for any kind of hobby that anybody gets really into. But uh, I see it in the ramen world a lot where people are actually really good at it, but they're like, man, I don't want to come on your podcast because I don't know what I'm doing yet. But it's like, you own a ramen shop. You, you <laughs> kind of know what you're doing. So, yeah. yeah. That's kind of how I felt like, I didn't know what I was going to talk about because I don't own a ramen shop and I don't really use recipes. Uh -huh. No, that's cool. Like, well, the only criteria to come on the podcast is you have to be better at making ramen than me, which is pretty much everybody. So <laughs> you definitely fit the criteria. So I actually wanted to talk to you about that. Like, how do you go about developing your ramen recipes or your bowls? Because like you said, you're not really using recipes. You're not following things. Are you just... Uh, back to like bowls that you had in Japan and trying to recreate that to the best of your ability. What, what exactly are you doing there? Yeah. So I've eaten a lot of ramen <laughs> in Japan. Uh, for people that follow me on Instagram, they probably know. Like my last trip I had, it was six days, right? And I had about 15 bowls in that span. So I get a lot of inspiration from the stuff that I eat. Um, How many times have you gone back to Japan since 2016? So your first real ramen experience in Japan. And then from yeah. there, like how many times have you gone back and had ramen and how many trips have you taken? So I've gone, I've gone to Japan a total of five times <laughs> <laughs> since 2016. Yeah. 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 So it's basically been like once a year almost. But this year, I, I did like two trips within the span of a month. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So you was, go and you, was, you taste ramen and then you uh, go back and you try to figure out how to make that at home, basically. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like my excuse to go travel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But how do you, how do you like, can you, like, how do you taste what's in it, you know, like, they serve you this bowl of ramen. Are you like, when you're eating it, are you specifically trying to break down like, oh, it tastes like there's a heavy fish component in here. So it must be some sorts of like niboshi, katsuboshi. Yeah. Is that what you're basically so, doing? I, 
I ask people for their recommendations, like uh -huh. which shop up. And for me, my favorite styles are Shoyu and Niboshi um, and Gyokai. Mm -hmm. So I try to, when I go to the shops, I try to just like see if I can pick out the flavors that they're using and just watch what they're doing in the kitchen, like observing their techniques and stuff, which is it's really helpful actually when um, you're trying to make it at home. Um, but I don't know, my, I don't know if my palate is up to par or after a while, like all the bowls kind of just start tasting <laughs> very similar. Like after three bowls in a day, like your yeah. tongue, it's just like, all right, this is too much, too much uh, salt, too much fat. Like, I, well, I can actually, imagine it's like, cause probably a lot of the ramen you're eating has pretty high levels of glutamate, whether natural or, you know, semi-natural. Yeah. And that's just like, that's just like brain, you know, it's pretty much tying out your, tiring out your brain, I would think. Cause it's like the glutamate receptors are firing up to your brain. Yeah. I feel like your tongue is just oversaturated. Mm -hmm. Point. I try to like cleanse my palate between bowls, uh -huh. you know. Yeah, I saw. So you just went on that two trips within the span of two weeks. Mm -hmm. You looked pretty healthy, so you didn't get coronavirus while you were there. You, <laughs> you still look pretty healthy. Yeah. So, what was the best bowl of ramen that you had on this? Either of the two trips that you went on, the last two ones. Best bowl. Mm -hmm. That's really hard. <laughs> okay, top uh, three or top two or top three, whatever. The most memorable ones that you've had. Honestly, I the most memorable ones have been ones where I was eating with friends. Because uh -huh. it's like it's just better when you're with other people and enjoying the bowl uh, versus yourself. Uh, there's one place in Tokyo. They do a really thick niboshi soba. It's called Men Garage. Mm -hmm. I don't know all that, but their chashu, they do it like Brazilian churrasco style. Oh, nice. So they slice it at your table. And it's like smoky, very porky, but it's super tender and juicy. And it's like, it really goes well with the Niboshi soup. Oh, nice. Yeah, that one was probably my top three bowl that I had there. Nice. And I saw you were in um, Nama Japan's video too with the duck ramen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did, did you guys bring him there or did he want to go there? Uh, I think uh, we picked it. Uh -huh. We picked the place and then I just said, why don't you just join us and then yeah, he said he'll do a video because he had never been there before. Nice, nice. Yeah, like, I, how did you, this is kind of like meta ramen community thing, but how did you meet Tim? Oh, so. So Tim is hella ramen on Instagram and YouTube and yeah. everywhere. He's everywhere. Anything there's, anytime there's anything ramen, he's there. He was one of my first yeah. subscribers when I, on YouTube when I had like 500 subscribers. He was already there. 
So yeah. he's everywhere. How did you meet him? So I met Tim uh, in New York when uh, Keizo was having his pop-up mm-hmm. at Rai Rai Ken. And I was following him before that, but I didn't know who he was. So I saw that he was in New York. So we were like, okay, let's get a bowl of ramen together. And then I ended up meeting Neighborhood Ramen mm-hmm. uh, that same day. And we just like hung out. We had like three bowls of ramen that day. <laughs> and yeah, Tim's a great guy. He's like probably the most passionate ramen guy <laughs> that I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What and then, um, and then what and then what? Oh yeah, go ahead. There? No, no. How did it go from there? I'm kind of just you know because I know that he's oh. not near you. Like he's like in Philadelphia or something, right? Yeah, he's, he's up in Philly uh, working on neighborhood. I actually went up to neighborhood to visit them for their Christmas party last year. Yeah, these guys are great. They're making really good bowls. Like Ashley is really good. We got to get them on the show eventually. I've been talking to them on Instagram once in a while. I should get yeah. Jesse and Tim. <laughs> cool. And then I I posted on my story, like, I'm going to Japan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and next thing I know, Tim messages me. It's like, hey, I might do this. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the first time he went to Japan, right? You, you brought him on his first trip, basically. Yeah, yeah. And he was like a kid in a candy store <laughs> the whole time. Just absorbing everything. Yeah, it was awesome to see it through his eyes, like yeah. bowl. Oh, that's pretty cool. What do you think about like just like I'm pretty new to just making ramen in general, but this this whole like online ramen community as a as a thing, like I didn't even think this thing was there, but it seems like it's kind of been around for a little bit, you know, at least a minute. Like it's pretty cool. I don't know. Like it feels like a, you know, the internet can be really negative these days. You know, just, yeah. just in general. But this like little ramen community, online ramen community, it's a pretty cool thing. I don't know what, do you, I don't know what, I'm kind of curious what other people think because when I'm seeing it, it's like, you know, I, I use that stupid pink ladle for how many months and things. Nobody said anything <laughs> until, until, <laughs> until I'm like, I'm going to retire the pink ladle. And then suddenly people are like, good, finally, like I'm getting all of these messages. Like nobody said anything this whole time. But then I also had, a bunch of people saying like, I'm going to miss the pink ladle. So it's about 50, 50, but still, you know, like everybody's cool enough to not give me shit about it for eight months, you know, eight months now. Yeah. Sorry. So no offense. <laughs> <laughs> You're not, you weren't the I, only one. You weren't the only I pink was, ladle. Hater. I was, I was, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But then oh, yeah, I, um, I feel like that kind of like speaks to like the community itself where like you see a clown using like a Daiso pink ladle making videos <laughs> And nobody yeah. says anything about it until like, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm going to retire the pink ladle. They're like, finally, fuck man. That's very embarrassing, you know, <laughs> cringing this whole time. Like it wasn't you, like you were the only one who said those things, but uh, it was like a lot of people came out. So I thought, I thought, I just thought that was pretty cool that, you know, like nobody's, nobody wants to like hurt anybody's feelings and like everybody kind of yeah. get along. I mean, I feel like we're all, we're all trying to yeah. prove in our ramen game. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, we know what it was like when we first started mm. and it's just good to see people progress as they go along like yeah and I've, I've been seeing a lot of people 
like really improve their game on Instagram. So yeah. it's it's like a really cool community that we're all supportive of each other. Mm-hmm. What is it about ramen that you think that gets people? Well, does it, do you think ramen itself attracts a certain type of person like the, making ramen? Because it's kind of like, a, sure. yeah, it's kind of like a normal person. So on my YouTube channel, I have like these easy things because I know that's what gets views and stuff. And then I do the, the longer ones. But the people that get really into it, it, it almost seems like you have to be a certain type of person to be that obsessed about making this thing. Cause yeah, I think there's like this personality where you kind of have to be a perfectionist. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which I know I am because uh-huh. I'm always trying to improve. Uh-huh. I feel like I'm never actually good enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's like if you if you're gonna do this, you might as well do it right. Mm-hmm. And not just half ass anything. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, it's kind of a it's kind of interesting because also but people like that tend to be just from my previous experiences like doing business and a lot of things, people that are perfectionists like that, sometimes those people can also be very judgmental of others because they're holding themselves to a very high standard. So they yeah, kind of, yeah. you know, put other people down when they see them not. But in the ramen community, I don't really see that. Like even Keizo, who I'm sure is very hard on himself, you know, as far as like his ramen and things. Yeah. He's never said anything bad about, you know, pretty much. He's never said anything about my pink ladle or anything bad about anything. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's like, it's like that. And he's like, kind of like, you know, what people are striving cool. to be. And it's, I think it's just really cool to see that. Yeah. I mean, like, like what I said, I mean, you might be judgmental, but you just keep it inside yourself. <laughs> You're not going to be like, hey, your, your shit looks like crap. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Hey, all right, cool. He's, he's, he's improving. He's, he's working on it. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it's because everybody went through a similar journey where their first bowls are terrible and kind of work through that. And if, and if you see someone trying to push through that, those first few failed attempts, it's kind of like, yeah, I know what that feels like. So I can't, yeah. really, I can't really shut on this guy. We're, we're a tight group. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's, all, it's also a lot larger than I thought it was. There's like a ton of people out there that are just as obsessed with trying to make ramen and things. Yeah. So I've, I've been trying to find other ramen heads mm-hmm. around my area and I've already found like one or two other people who they just came out of nowhere and they're like, they're making their own noodles and their stuff looks like legit. Oh, nice. Yeah. So it's, it's cool. Just like finding these people who you didn't know existed. Mm-hmm. Well, cool, man. So I got some questions about making ramen because a big part of me doing the podcast was to just try to get better myself. So what mm-hmm. is your, like your kind of standard way so you said like, you know, you're like a show you guy, right? Like that's kind of like your, your, if you had to make something for yourself, what would you make? Like a show you or something? Yeah. It would be just Tori Shintan show you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what is your process to making the sock, the Chintan? Like, do you have like a, do you think you nailed it? Or are you still experimenting? Like what's your current process and that you're doing? Uh, so I recently did just, I used doing hens uh-huh. for the soup. Uh, Cause I read that 
the stewing ends have more flavor and it's I don't know how much oil it produces, but I actually get my uh my aroma oil from a deli. Okay. They just give me they sell schmaltz. It's basically Oh nice. Yeah, schmaltz. And yeah, stewing hen with just water and then I'll do like a six hour low simmer and then close to the end, like an hour or two before I'll do I'll put in the aromatics, like some onions, uh, negi, garlic, you know, stuff like that. Are you, are you breaking down the uh, stewing hands or are you just putting it whole? Like I've seen shots. Oh, just Japan, whole. Just, yeah, just, do you cut it up yeah. at all or you just throw it in whole? No. I'm I not going to, I've been cutting them up this whole time. I'm just going to put it in whole next time. Do you think it's better? I feel like, yeah, I feel like if you put it, I don't know, because my experience i've just been doing it whole i've mm-hmm. never put it in cut up i feel like it would make the soup cloudier right mm-hmm. if it didn't cut up yeah probably <laughs> so i want my soup to be as clear as possible uh-huh. i try not to touch anything yeah yeah what what ratio of water do you are you weighing out the chickens and using a ratio of water or are you just kind of eyeballing the water level based on your chickens so when I cook, I'm just like eyeballing oh, everything pretty much. Yeah. Well, I guess because if you don't, if you're not serving customers and they're not expecting the exact same taste every single time, it's not as nearly as important with those things. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So, so do you do like a dashi stock too? Are you doing, so you're doing the chicken and then a dashi, like a niboshi dashi or anything, or are you just keeping it clean chicken and then doing the niboshi and tare and other things? It depends on, what I feel like trying out because uh-huh. I've just been adding kombu mm-hmm. to actual chintan, like okay. a double soup. Within the adding. last hour, are you adding it in? Or are you yeah, within the last hour and just trying to keep it at a low simmer. That's the hard part. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you gotta like just sit and watch the, stand and watch the pot for six hours, basically. Yeah. But I so, have done a double soup before uh-huh. where I do uh, like kombu and katsubushi dashi and then combine it to the chintan. So I don't know what I prefer more, but <laughs> I think uh, double soup definitely takes more time, more effort. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you're combining it like right before you put into the bowl or you're combining in the bowl or are you doing like a separate pot, putting the both soups in there, heating that up? What yeah, are you doing? just putting everything into one pot uh-huh. and then just ladling it out. Cool. And then your standard um, soup serving, is it like 300 mils or are you eyeballing that too? Or mm, I'll say it's about... 350, 375, about there. 350 to 375, and then your tare is 30 tare to... is about 35, 40, yeah. Okay, cool, cool. And then oil. This is just for me. I'm just asking selfish questions because I'm trying to learn how to get better. Too. Oh, yeah. And, then your, and your oil is, what, 30, 20, 20, 30? I actually use a lot of oil for the yeah. show. 
Yeah, because I went to a toy box. Yeah, yeah. Famous shop I got in a, Tokyo. I just got that book. It's it's in here. Their their ratios are in here. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. I tell it to everybody right now. Toy so box. they use. I feel like they use a ton of oil. I can tell you right now what they use. Let's see. Keep talking. I'm gonna find the page. Oh, okay. <laughs> so. <laughs> So yeah, I was watching them and they do like, they put the oil at the bottom of the bowl mm-hmm. and afterwards they add another layer on top, like another like 15 mLs on top. So I'm, I'm going to guess and say that they probably use close to 30 or 35 mLs. It's 30 mLs of Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So they yeah. do they do soup three sixty mLs. Um, their shoyu dare is thirty six. Their uh, chicken oil is thirty mLs. Thirty. Yeah. yeah. And then one hundred fifty grams of noodles. So. Nice. So you're you were correct in your estimations. Yeah. So I was kind of when I ordered those ladles, I was like, I I, I had ordered the twenty for the oil. That the news tiny ladle, and then people are like, "Oh, I use like I I found out that like um a lot of other people use like 10, 10 ml yeah. for oil, but I always kind of liked it a little bit, you know, like fifteen at least fifteen, sometimes more. Yeah, that's just my taste too. Yeah, the chicken oil imparts a huge amount of flavor. Yeah, yeah, chili. yeah. I, I did that experiment with just the hot water and the tare, and just just from the chicken oil alone, it kind of gets it almost to like a like a clean kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So people, yeah, you can't sleep on the, the oil. Yeah. The key is using high quality chicken oil. Yeah. yeah. Schmaltz if you can. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, I'm, I'm like a, on a tiny Island on, in Hawaii that doesn't, we don't even have like a local butcher. They just uh, fly everything in. So it's like, I mean, I guess the supermarkets have like kind of like pseudo butchers where they break down some stuff, but. Yeah, I can't get a lot of the good stuff. So I'm trying to figure out how to get that. <clears throat> Where do you get your chickens and stuff from? Like a butcher too? They're stewing hens. Um, no, I just go to the grocery store. And yeah, yeah. Whenever I get a chance, I'll go to the Asian market. Mm-hmm. They have better quality stewing hens. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of hard. Yeah, is it is sourcing is sourcing the other ingredients hard in your area, like the kombus, the niboshi, the kasubushi, sabubushi? Well, I have a Japanese market which is walking distance from oh, me. Oh, no, that's not they're that like, bad then. They're they're super small though. Uh-huh. They they don't have like uh, meats or anything. They just have the dry stuff. Mm-hmm. Go there, get my kombu, katsubushi. Mirin show you from them. Yeah, yeah. It seems like that the the sourcing the ingredients for ramen seems to be like one of the biggest challenges a lot of people have for at least getting high quality things. You know, like everybody can go to Safeway and get, you know, or whatever it's called on the East Coast. It's called Safeway in the West Coast, but uh, Safeway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What is it it's called on the East Coast? It's called something else, right? No, we, no, we call it Safeway. Oh, we call it Safeway too. Oh, I thought, I thought yeah. there was like one chain that like is named something else on the east coast and then something else on the west coast i i can't remember which one it is but um yeah you can get like your kikoman shoyu that that's about all people can get you know 
It's funny, like I, I used to go to Safeway trying to find like chicken bones or pork bones. Uh-huh. I would ask them like, hey, do you guys sell bones? Yeah. They just give me this weird look like, <laughs> what? Yeah, why would you want to buy that? Would you want to get the meat? Yeah. yeah. I noticed but, that um, the Safeway here started selling um, beef bones for marrow. So I was thinking about trying that just to see if that would work. Who knows? Yeah. yeah. You can make a kyukotsu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're making a EAK tonkotsu right now as we speak, as we're recording this episode. How that did you get? Correct. Yeah. So what, what are you doing for that? Like, how did you get the. Um, Basically, what, what did you put in it? Is it just pork bones now? And then you're going to add stuff in the end? Or what do you have in there? It's, uh, I bought pork femurs, pork backbones, uh, nothing else. Like, it's all pork. And then I added just like a bunch of garlic and ginger mm-hmm. to cut that funk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So it's currently boiling right now. Um, kind of did like stovetop slash pressure cook, mm-hmm. where I parboil the bones in the stovetop uh, for like an hour, and then remove the bones, remove the meat from the bones, put it in the pressure cooker, set that on high for two hours, and then dump it all back onto the stovetop. And now it's like hard boiling. Oh, I see. I see. Yeah. yeah, I've tried to like hard boil with the instant pot, and it can kind of get there, but you can't really get as hard, you know, that you need to go. So, yeah, that's the, uh, yeah, yeah. What are you gonna do for the? Um, you have like a shoyu tare already. Do you? So for tares, do you generally make one and then just keep it on hand for like forever? Yeah, pretty much. That's what I do too. That's why. So, but um, so do you just? Do you just generally have like a shoyutare and then that's, that's what you use for everything almost? Yeah, because um, I'm still like noob. Mm-hmm. It, like I just do one tare and just let it age. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let it ripen a little bit. Yeah. I feel like it does get better. Yeah. The more it sits. Yeah. There was this one recipe I saw online that says like, let it rest for three weeks before using, you know? Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. And so it's like, uh, when I read that, I was like, I guess most of these, it, there's no really like shelf life to this thing. You just use it until it's gone, basically. Yeah. And it's like so salty that nothing can grow in it. Yeah. 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 It won't spoil. Do, do you develop your own tare recipes from scratch too? Or are you kind of like basing it off recipes? No, dude, I use, I use your recipe. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> Which one? The one, uh, I think you made a video on it the first tatera video that i did i think oh man yeah. that's cool that's not in my that's not that's, my recipe that's a recipe from some japanese youtuber that i just translated but well it works like oh, nice that was the first time i used the uh, apple cider vinegar uh-huh. and at first i was like why are you putting that in there yeah yeah it, it really does make like a difference yeah it seems like that acid in a bowl is something that I've, I've been hearing more and more people talk about, you know, just either in the tare or just like Eric was talking about, Eric Benz was talking about adding like fresh lemon zest or some kind of zest, citrus zest into the bowl. And I know yeah. Kazo uses like the uh, yuzu 
juice or something. Yeah, that's something that I actually have to experiment more with. I actually haven't gotten a chance to do like a show you in a while. For your so your chintons are just generally chicken, and then do you do you reuse the bones after? Like I just tried to do like a tonkotsu with leftover pork bones from a chintan. And I know a lot of people do pythons with the leftover chicken from. Yeah. So yeah, I try to like maximize the use out of all my ingredients. Mm -hmm. So after I do the chintan, I see that oh, it's still usable. That I just throw it in the pressure cooker, a python from it, so that I could have two types of ramen. Yeah. yeah. How do you um? What are what's your timings for the python after the chintan? Like, because I noticed when I did this one yesterday, it was um, it was way faster because the bones were already like halfway broken down already. Mm -hmm. So when you do a python from the chickens after you did the chintan, so you basically have that whole chicken in the pot, you take it out right. and you put it into the pressure cooker just whole, or are you trying to break it up at that point or? Well, my instant pot is kind of small, so I have to bring it up. Oh, okay, a okay. Bit. Yeah, but I'm not like mashing it. Uh -huh. I'm just trying to stuff it in. Okay, and then how long do you go on pressure cooking and then boiling? Uh, probably two hours on high, and then afterwards I'll try to just mash up the bones a little bit mm -hmm. so that kind of releases all the, the good stuff and then I'll set it on high boil for until I feel like it's it's ready. Like mm -hmm. I just tell by looking at the the consistency when I ladle it up and down, like I can kind of tell when it's ready. So you're not using like that refractometer or anything or the bricks and stuff. Oh no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I have to get one because I still don't know like like I pulled the tonkosu yesterday and I was like, oh, this looks kind of thin now after I pulled it. And Kazel's like, yeah, it's too thin. You know, you should have let it go longer. And, like, and he told me like, if you have that refractometer, you can get this number and then you'll know for sure. Yeah. But I'm, I'm just like, lazy. I don't feel like buying. Yeah. And this. then like all that stuff on Amazon is like um, just from Alibaba anyway. So it's like, I should just order it myself and then, but I don't want to get coronavirus right now. So I don't want to get one right now. So, oh shit. Yeah. Uh, Cause they're all just drop shipping from China. So anyway, I'll get one eventually. So I actually wanted to talk to you about, so this is just like, um, you said you didn't know what you wanted to talk about. I had like a lot of things I wanted to ask you anyway. So you didn't need to worry about that. Um, sous vide right, chashu, cool. like you do a lot of sous vide chashu. I, I know this. Uh -huh. um, what are you, like, can you give us some examples of like some good ways to do that? Because I did one and it was pretty good, but I don't know if I did it right. I'd followed a recipe from a book. So it, that's how they do it in a restaurant, evidently. But like, what I saw that you just did a shoulder, pork shoulder. Yeah. What did you do for that one? Like the marinade and the timings and the temperatures. So, where did you learn that? Did you figure that out yourself or did you? Uh, no, so I had help from Ramen 512. Okay. Yeah, he gave me uh, some pro tips. Uh, let's see. I set it for 145 Fahrenheit. 
for four hours. And because like my, the piece of chashu that I had was only an inch and a half thick. Mm-hmm. It's not like one of those really thick ones. So I didn't want to overcook it and dry it out. So I usually, for pork, I usually stick between like one, 141, 142-ish, that's the minimum. And then I'll go up to like 140, 147, 148. I kind of like that pink color. So yeah. I find that in between that is a good uh, temperature. And yeah, it's not like, I'm just guesstimating really. Yeah, yeah. And as far as timing though, like, cause I know that you can also make like pulled pork with <laughs> sous vide. Like if you go too long, it kind of just starts to shred. Like, you, you know, you denature the protein that much where you can kind of, do you, yeah. have you found like the upper limit of that? Or are you just like four hours and it's good. So I just do four hours or. So this was actually the first time I did shoulder. Mm-hmm. And it, it was not a thick cut, like I said. So if I had a, like a much thicker cut, I would set it for much longer. But I, in my experience, like um, I did a chicken chashu sous vide before and I set it for way too long and it just ended up drying out the chicken. Oh, really? Instead of falling apart, it dried it out? Yeah, when okay. I sliced like it was not good. <laughs> so I'm like trying to undercook it a little bit now just to avoid the brightness. Yeah, yeah. And then are you marinating anything or putting any kind of marinade into the, when you sous vide or? Yeah, I'll do like garlic, um, shoyu, mirin, just basic stuff. Yeah. Nothing really. Yeah. Classic. Chashu, chashu dare. Yeah. Cool. And then you, you do pork belly and sous vide too? Pork belly, I did it once and I kind of prefer it not sous vide because mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know, the fat, it was still kind of too tough. Uh... Yeah, like the sous vide, it doesn't make the fat, or maybe I just didn't cook it long enough, but. I kind of just prefer to cook it traditional method. Yeah, yeah. The the boil and yeah, boil and then the boil at the tare. Cool, man. Do you have um before we get into like some questions from like everybody who sent in on Instagram? Do you have like any tips for people that are kind of getting into making ramen? Just practice. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. Just, I think the biggest thing is just learning from your mistakes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, um, how do you, like, or what's a great place to get started? Like, you know, if you're, like, you go to, like, so, so say someone like you goes to Japan, they eat ramen there, like, holy crap, that was really, that was way better than I thought. They come back to America or to wherever they are. Okay, I want to make some ramen now. Like, what do you, what's like a, what what would be the first thing that you recommend them doing? Like the first bowl that they should try. Do you think they should try to to do what they like there, or do you think you should maybe just try like this instead? 
I think they should just understand the basics of ramen. Like, what are the key components? The noodles, soup, toppings, aroma oil, and tare. Like, once you learn uh, all five of those and like why people do what they do, and then that's a good basis for making ramen. And then I pretty much just learned through trial and error and watching a lot of YouTube videos. <laughs> but most of the YouTube before, videos before are... you even started. <laughs> but the, what kind of are you watching like you Japanese YouTube videos? Or yeah. watching America? Okay, so the, that's the thing. Like a lot, there's a lot of great Japanese YouTube videos for making ramen. They're not so much great, not too many great English speaking uh, YouTube videos for making ramen. Like at least what I when I what I had seen. Earlier now, there's more. There's getting to be a lot more now. So, you know. yeah, there is. <clears throat> I used to watch uh, like Ramen Adventures. Yeah, yeah. From Brian, and you know, you you pick up on certain things once you watch uh, so many videos. You're like, oh, okay, that's how you do things. Like, and like Ramen Walker. Ramen mm -hmm. Walker has a lot of. Uh, Good ramen shops that they go to, and sometimes they'll show you behind the scenes of what the chef is doing. Mm -hmm. So you pick up on those small things from watching. Cool, cool, man. Oh, and the other thing I was meaning to ask you is like the noodles that you that you usually use. Like, what are those noodles? I know you showed it to me on Instagram, but um, because you're not making your own noodles, but you're using this very specific chuka. Chuka men, you know? Chuka soba, yeah. Chuka soba noodle. And then, so what, which, can you tell everybody like which one that is? Because you, you're able to get really nice noodle folds with those noodles. And it seems like, of course, there's practice involved, you know? But right. Like the noodle is half the battle with the fold. Because sometimes I have some shit noodles that I can't do anything with. And, <laughs> you know? Noodles are the bane of my existence. <laughs> What, so why do you not make your own noodles? Like, what, what, why is that? Uh, it's just like the time involved and is it worth it mm -hmm. versus just going out and buy your own. Yeah. But, you know, I'm a perfectionist. So, of course, I'm going to like try to experiment with all kinds of noodles. And yesterday I spent almost three hours in the market, like feeling up noodles, <laughs> trying to see like, oh, would this match well with my soup? Like just staring at the, the back of the ingredients list. Uh -huh. Yeah, it's a lot of work. Cool. But I know, I, I just bought like four different brands of noodles that I'm trying to see which one would pair best with my uh, Ieke. Mm -hmm. So we'll see. Cool. And then the one that you, which is the best one that you usually use for most of them? Is it that same one that you showed me the picture of? Yeah, that, okay. that Chuka Soba one, it's pretty versatile. And, and so she, that's a, it's a, it's a Bowman, which is like that straight noodle. It's not like uh, for people that are listening, they want to try to get that noodle because it looks really good. And I think, I think I've had something similar, but it came in a pack of, with soup base and stuff, but it's like straight. It's like a bundle of spaghetti yeah. almost looking like, you know, but it's white. Yeah, yeah. And um, you drop that in water and how long, you, you cook it for like, what, two minutes or something, like a minute or two minutes. And then 
Yeah, I I cook it a little less than two minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah, those yeah. are really good. Yeah. So yeah, so, the the bowmen bowmen I think is the best if you're gonna make ramen at home and you don't want to make noodles or sun noodles. I guess mm-hmm. sun noodles is pretty good too. All right, let's get into some listener questions here. So, oh gosh, under Autoquick changed changed this name. Well, the last name is Nguyen, so I know I got that. When not Gan Nguyen, I can't read Vietnamese names for shit, man. I'm so sorry. Oh, uh, you know who I that is? I recognize. Yeah. yeah, I think I know who it is. So, if you had to fuse ramen with Vietnamese influences, how would you do that? Huh. So, in the early days, I would experiment doing that. Like, I would try to make a skimmin with uh, this Vietnamese dish called um, bò kho, which is basically like meat, beef stew. And I was just like, boil down the beef stew to make it more concentrated and thick, and then just use ramen noodles as a, like a <laughs> style. Okay. Were you yeah, into cooking sorry. before you got into ramen too? You're into making stuff? Yeah, like okay. yeah. Um, I, I made it well before, but I never used ramen noodles for that. Mm-hmm. So I think it's possible. Just haven't really tried that. Yeah. yeah. I think you can make ramen with some Vietnamese ingredients. Like, I don't know if you can make a lemongrass pork ramen. <laughs> I don't know. In in when you make pho, the broth for that, what do you, or the soup for that? Like, what is it? The I've I've never made it before. So, what is the primary components in that? Is it pork bone or is it like beef bone or I know nothing. Oh, for pho? Yeah, for pho. Um, it's yeah, beef bones traditionally, but you can use chicken. Yeah, the beef. Uh, like it imparts it this a little sweetness to the soup. So I know some ramen shops, like uh, this place called Matador in Tokyo, they actually do that. And when I had it for the first time, it did kind of taste a little bit like pho. Oh, okay. Was it a chintan so, too, or is it like a. Yeah, it oh, was nice. a chintan. Yeah. Oh. And w- when you make pho, are, are you adding like the seasonings into the soup? Or are you keeping it separate, like ramen, or like I know nothing, so it's kind of interesting to me. Mm. We usually add very little seasoning, but there's still some seasoning where it's not just like bland. Mm-hmm. Usually with pho, you add most of the like the hoisin sauce and the seasonings in the bowl that you're eating itself. Okay. Okay. Cool. So, um, next question. Backyard ramen asks, <clears throat> "Pie water does it make a difference for ramen?" <laughs> uh, <laughs> pie water. There's, there's a lot of there's a lot of questions in here, and some of them might be troll questions. So, just be prepared. But I don't think I think she's asking an honest question right here. I feel like she's trolling a little bit too. <laughs> <laughs> Pie water is super interesting. Um, 
Does it make a difference? I have no idea. When I had it, maybe it was like a placebo effect. Yeah. Where I would think it tasted different. But <laughs> I really have no idea. The, the crazy thing is, so I didn't, I know I've talked about it with, uh, I think Herb in the past, but this book that I got just yesterday, a lot of the recipes in here says use, use pie water. A lot of the soup recipes in here. So it's like, so what exactly is pie water? I don't even know what pie water is. It, it's, uh, I think they, it's like, a, uh, it's, it says in Katakana pie water. Oh, but they don't explain what it is. I never read. I didn't read through it yet. <clears throat> oh, it says, mm -hmm. um, I don't know. That's, that's just whatever. It just says water, pie water. <laughs> In parentheses, <laughs> use pie water. Yeah. I just flipped to a random one and it says to use pie water. I think a lot of them are saying that. Yeah. Well, I don't know. We can figure that so, out yeah. together what that means. I think it's like an alkaline water, soft water or something. I don't know. Yes, yeah, sure. soft. What, what exactly is soft? What does that mean, soft water? Know. I and I, I've read that on like, so I bought the potassium carbonate to make noodles and it says you can soften your water by adding this to water. So it's like, is that soft water? Like you just add potassium carbonate to water. Is that what it is? I think like changing the it, pH, right? It's something like that. Or like there's less minerals that interfere with the umami extraction. Uh, uh, Some scientific thing. I don't know. Is, like, is it kind of like that pseudoscientific thing? I'm sure there's going to be comments from, I'm going to get comments on Instagram like, no, it's not pseudoscientific. It's, it's for, you know, like I'm going to get those, but is it kind of like that, you know, like, <clears throat> what is that? Um, there's an old YouTube channel where the guy did like these fake videos, but he presented it in a way where it looked real. It's like pie mm. water. And then he would like animate the molecules going up to the, getting yeah. out of the bones into the water. Uh. I mean, if, even if it is like a real thing, mm -hmm. would you even be able to taste it though? Yeah. Like, would your tongue notice a difference? Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of like, uh, yeah. And I, you, you kind of have to, if, if, if there was a thing like that, you would have to also have to develop enough palate to be able to tell. And most people eating, most people eating things don't have that anyway. So. Maybe yeah. Does it make a difference? Who knows? I don't know. I feel I like it's know. so. It might be too subtle. Where mm -hmm. the only way you would even remotely be able to tell is if you have two bowls. Uh -huh. Comparison. Taking sips out of each one. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Let's go on. <laughs> so, Twilly Ramen asks for you to describe your whole experience at Tomita in, in as much detail as possible. <laughs> oh man. So I already knew I was going to Tomita. That was the goal. So for people that don't know what Tomita is, Tomita is the shop featured in the Ramen Heads documentary movie. And they're known yep. for Tonkotsu Gyokaitsukimen primarily. They have other things, but. Yeah, and so he's kind of like a, the guy's kind of like a celebrity for people that love ramen who've watched that movie, basically. Right. Yeah. He, his shop is like number one rated on ramen database. Oh wow. Yeah, and he's won tons of awards. So my goal was to go to that shop and see what it was like. So I, the night before, I was actually pretty anxious. 
I knew I was gonna go the next day. <laughs> yeah. So I, I couldn't sleep. Uh, I woke up at 1 a.m. I stayed up till 5 a.m., which is when we left. Uh, we got on the metro and we had to catch this bus, which we almost missed because we were running to catch the bus. We didn't know where the bus stop was. Um, so you have to get there super early if you want to get a ticket. So we got to the shop at 7, 7 a.m. So that whole commute was almost two hours. Holy cow. Yeah. And then once you get to the shop, you have to wait in line for another hour until the shop opens so you can get your ticket. Once you get your ticket, uh, the guy tells you to like come back at this certain time and you have to be there early, like 15 minutes early. So we didn't want to go back home to our hostel because it's too long to get to. So we just waited like another two hours in that neighborhood which is like there's nothing in that neighborhood we just loitered <laughs> at a coffee shop so you got there at seven they said come back at nine is that basically what it was we got there at seven they said come back at 10 30 oh, so we had a lot of time to kill uh-huh. and i drank a lot of coffee <laughs> <laughs> so when i got back uh at 10 15 uh, they let us in, and it was like they let you in in waves. It's like the first wave was ten or yeah, around ten people, and we sat down. It was I don't know. For me, I felt super tense because it might have been the coffee or the the atmosphere inside. Uh-huh. All all his staff are super tense, but. Tomita himself is super chill. He's like around. So I didn't even know if I could take pictures in there. So when uh, the bowl came out, I took uh, some quick snaps of my bowl and that was it. I didn't want to take pictures of Tomita himself Mm -hmm. in case he's like, what are you doing? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) He seems pretty intense in the movie, you know? When you watch the yeah. movie, he's like, oh, he seems pretty intense. Right. So, I mean, the, the experience was, it was a good experience, but would I do it again? No. How was the, how was the ramen? How was it sticking man? Was uh, it everything you, everything you were hoping it was going to be? No. It was a solid eight and a half. <laughs> yeah. But I think it would have been better if, like the vibe was more relaxed. And uh, I didn't have to go through that whole ordeal of waiting. Yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah. Probably the expectations that you went into probably affected that too, you know? Yeah. I you think my super high expectations. Right. I don't think it was like mind blowingly good, mm-hmm. but it was definitely really good bowl. And that's crazy that you guys caught him when he was there too. Is he there every day? I feel like he probably wouldn't be there every day, right? 
I think in the movie he's like, if I'm not there, then I'm not serving. Oh, oh, okay. Because I know that they, doesn't he have one in Narita too now in the airport? He has like a, is that him? Yeah. 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 He has a, a Narita location and a Tokyo Station location. Yeah, yeah. But he's all. I think he's pretty much only at his honten. Oh, the honten. Cool. And what did Tim think? Was it, it for him like, oh yeah, that's pretty good, or was it like, oh my god, this is? <laughs> I can just imagine it like super stoked to be there. And... Uh, yeah. So what happened was he was supposed to order the skimmen with the special toppings, right? Uh-huh. The, that extra tray of toppings. Right, the extra tray. And he actually messed up. <laughs> and he didn't get that. And all he got was the skimmin by itself. Uh, with no chashi. Oh, it's so sad. Yeah. And when I found out, I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so I kind of, I think that kind of like made it. Uh, satisfying for him. Uh, was it like, do, do they speak English there or, or is it just like all Japanese? You got to like do it all in Japanese. Mm, they barely spoke any English. Okay. Were there so other tourists the, there? Were there other tourists there other than you guys or was it just Japanese people and you guys? Yeah, there was like this one other American that was in our group. And then I saw like this couple from Europe or something but the when we were buying our tickets like the machine is all in japanese oh i see so you have to be able to read you have to know what you're getting and the guy the guy was the staff was speaking to me in japanese mm-hmm. you mean like okay you got a large right you understand it's a large large size noodles and he's like come back at this time i'm like oh okay i was just saying Hi. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> the whole time. Uh, even if even if you didn't know what he was saying, you're just being hi, hi, hi. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, I mean, I understand some of what he was saying, but not all of it. Yeah, you got the important part. You got back at the right yeah. time, so it's all there. Yeah. Cool, man. All right. I think that was I think that was pretty good detail for Twilly Ramen. So. Solid eight eight point five out of ten from uh, eight point five. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely better than the other locations. Oh, okay, you tried the other ones too, the airport one and everything. The airport one, yeah. yeah. Cool. All right, Nama Japan TV. Speaking of Nama Japan, he says, "What's your favorite ramen YouTube channel next to Way of Ramen? Also, what were your favorite <laughs> and least favorite spots during your recent trip to Japan?" I think he's kind of baiting you with that one. Like he wants a certain answer. I feel like. Mm. Maybe he wants you to say ramen adventures. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe Nama. I don't know. <laughs> ramen adventures. <laughs> I don't even know. Oh, there's, there's, there's actually this uh, Japanese ramen maker. He makes YouTube videos as yeah, well. Yeah, he's going to be on the podcast. Oh, secret. Not a secret. Wait, what? Yeah, he's going to be on the podcast. Are we talking about the same guy? Yeah, he's the only Japanese guy making English videos for uh, ramen. No, 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 no. This, oh. this guy doesn't... This guy is purely Japanese. He does not do any 
translations. Or oh, okay. Well, there's the guy at Motoki Ramen Academy. He's going to be on the podcast. Oh, okay. I nailed it down. Hopefully. Oh. We, we haven't done the episode yet, but he's agreed to do it. What, what's the guy? What's the Japanese guy you're talking about? I watch them all. I watch a lot of them. You send me links. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm subscribed to that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I sent you a link. Uh, ramen, Scuri, something. I don't know. Can I can I list off some Japanese ramen channels recommendations too? I'm I'm going through my. Uh, <laughs> you, know. you can list it. Oh, here it is. I don't know if you can see that. Uh, Let's see. Let me see. TV. Yeah. Yeah, that guy's good. That was my actually one of my inspirations for starting my YouTube channel. I was like, oh man. Yeah, he's, his videos are super Sometimes I'm kind of wondering if what he's actually making tastes good, though. Like, sometimes, because I tried to do, like, some things that he's done, that he's done. And it's like, that didn't taste good at all. He's saying, whatever he says in Japanese, like, that, that was not, that was not, whatever he's saying. <laughs> that was not deliciously made. Uh, let me see. The the guys that I like, there's this guy. Um, let me see what he is. I watch his videos a lot because I feel like he's very underrated. Nobody watches his videos, but he does solid stuff and he tells like everything. Like, <clears throat> like how I make noodles was heavily influenced by this guy. Um, something like Yoshi. 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 Uh, Yoshi no Jisaku. Um, Yoshi no Jisaku Ramen Channel. It's. Mm-hmm. I'll send you the link after. I'll put it in the show notes too. But he, right. he only has like about a thousand subscribers. But like every single one of his videos is like, it's like that Ochiman TV guy, but he lists all of his ingredients and its quantities. Okay. It's like he does one a week too, just like that other guy. So like I've, I've learned a lot from him. And then this other guy too. Um, uh, Ramen Tenshu Recipe is pretty good. Oh, no, that's not his name. That's his, that's the video name. Uh, Menya no Kantan Recipe Channel. He's he's pretty good. And there's some other people too, but anyways. Okay, so Nama Japan, you did not make the favorite YouTuber. It was, it's actually Ojiman TV. <laughs> Is that what you're saying? <laughs> nah. Hey Nama, you're you're uh, at least top five. <laughs> nah, he's solid, man. I watch his videos all the time. Cool. So ramen ramen guide Japan asks, um, "Who's your favorite ramen Instagrammer?" <laughs> and what? best bowl of ramen that best bowl of ramen you had in your recent trips to Japan? These guys are trolling me. Yeah, they are trolling you. They want specific answers. Instagrammer. Hmm. I think he has an Instagram, and I think he wants you to say his name. You know what? Who do I follow? Hmm. I follow a lot of the Japanese Instagrammers. I can't remember their names off the top of my head. I think Ramen Guide. That guy is all right. Yeah. <laughs> He's all right. <laughs> He's all right. <laughs> okay. Ramen Guide, officially rated all right by uh, all Ramen right. Addict. <laughs> yeah. Cool. All right. So Ryan wants Japan asks, what's the most difficult or daunting part about making ramen? Also your favorite style of ramen. 
most difficult is, like I said, finding the, the right noodle that matches the soup. I feel like that is, that's like often overlooked. Mm -hmm. In America, like the American ramen shops, but if you get a, the right noodle with the right soup, it just takes the bowl to the next level. Yeah, I feel like a lot of American ramen shops, they just, they order one noodle from Sun Noodle, and then they use that for every single type of ramen that they're making. And it's like, yeah. if you go to Japan, they have a specific noodle for every single style that they're making. Like, oh, this is our shio noodle, our shoyu noodle, and our uh, tonkotsu noodle, and, you know, whatever they're doing. Yeah, skimming. Yeah. Tsukeme noodle is different, yeah. How do you yeah. do your tsukeme noodles? Do you, did you, were you able to find something like that for tsukeme? So I got this, uh, the brand is called Twin Marquee. They have a low main noodle, which is like the right thickness, oh, okay. the right cut, and if you cook it, I feel like if you cook it in uh, baking soda, it actually gives it a more firmer taste, a firmer bite. And you just got to like wash the noodles very thoroughly. Oh, I see. So the, I think the key is like overcooking it a little bit. And then once you wash it in the ice water, it'll firm up so that it's the perfect uh, texture and consistency. Okay, I see, I see. Yeah, I think that's like, it, like you said, like I think a lot of people don't think about that, the noodles. I've, I've heard people say like noodles in ramen is kind of like the rice of the meal. Like you can have, you can have subpar everything else, but if the rice is really good, it's still edible. But if the rice is bad, it's kind of hard to eat anything else. It's like Asian culture, you know? <laughs> That's what somebody in Japan has told me that, or not told me that, said it on a video that I watched about ramen. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. They, they, they take their rice seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so JNM Stewart asks Do you find that um, the shoyu tare that is left over from braising liquids holds up against uh, purpose made shoyu tare? And I think he's referring to chashu braising liquids, you know, like you do a kaishi out of that versus. A shoyutare that you made just to be a shoyutare. Mm, I don't think you can. You should use it, but <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a pretty common you... old school way, right? Like a lot of people would like old school ramen chefs would make chashu, and they're like, "Oh, this is gonna use this." And then, yeah, I mean, I feel like some jiro shops might do that. Uh -huh. Just use the tare that they use for the chashu as the the. You know, like when they add the back fat and then they add the tare on top of the yeah, back yeah. fat. I don't know. That's that's less refined, but if you're going for a more refined bowl, then I wouldn't do that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's true. Yeah, that's true. You never see like one of those really craft um, kodawari shops getting, here's my chashu braising liquid and putting that hey. in the bowl. Yeah, it's always like a tare that they spend a lot of time and energy making. Yeah. That's true. So Josh Bear asks, what's your favorite spot in the DMV? Mm, probably say 
Manuel Hosaki. Oh, nice. Yeah. They, they're doing it like from scratch. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Menya was, Eric was trained by Keizo, so he knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. It seems like all those guys, like Eric, um, Vin, and uh, soon to be Scott, too, they all like, they're all really good at it. So, and they also have like that, mm-hmm. they have, it's almost like, um, like you have that lineage, like you know, you have that Taisho Ken lineage where you have Tomita right. and stuff coming out of that. It's very yeah. similar to that, it seems like. It's like the American version of that, basically. Which I think is pretty cool. Yeah, I think it's really cool. Because even if you look at their bowls, you can tell just by looking at them that they're, they share a common ancestor. So I think that's pretty awesome, actually. Yeah. Do you do you think Kazo's the best in America? Like a lot of people, I th- I don't know. I think that I I've never eaten his ramen, but just like what everybody tells me about him, he feels like as far as someone who knows what you're doing. And you you ate his ramen, so mm. yeah, yeah. Kazo's definitely up there. I don't mean I can't say who's the best because I uh-huh. haven't had everybody all, all the ramen in uh-huh. America, but yeah, Kazo, his passion is like through the roof. And he busts his ass <laughs> making ramen. <laughs> like I, I, I watch his stories, and he's uh-huh. like up till three thirty in the morning yeah. making ramen. It's like it's crazy, man. Yeah. It's, and you have a family with kids. Yeah. Yeah, man. I have like one kid. He has three kids, and his oldest is same age as same age as my kid. And I don't know how he does it. It's a lot of stuff you got to do once you have kids. Yeah. So. I Back that. Yeah, for sure. All right. Broken Anchor One asks, do you have a favorite instant noodle? Like from America or in Japan? I, I guess anything in general. I know you brought back a bunch of kits, right? Yeah, I ate it all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, favorite instant noodle? For Japan, I would probably say the, I had a really good Jiro style instant noodle. How do you do the Jiro style uh, instant noodle? Like, do they put all the toppings in it too? Or, or is it just like the noodle and a little bit of whatever? They have the toppings, they had a chashu, they had the pork fat, what? cabbage. All that was missing was like the chopped garlic, which I as, added. As an instant ramen? Yeah. So it's called buta rao, rao. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And man, that was, I hit the spot. That was really good. Cool. I wonder if you can get that. It's hard to get products like that in America because of the pork. They don't let you bring yeah. that in. How did you get that in? I lied. <laughs> I lied through customs. Yeah, yeah. I know, like, the last time I was in customs, too, they're like, um, do you have any, f- uh, they asked, the question that they asked me was, do you have any, f- are you carrying any food? Or or, th- or yeah. do you have any food on you? And I said, no, because it was in my suitcase. It's not on me at the moment. So I was like, oh, I thought that's what yeah. you meant, you know? Yeah. So my suitcase yeah. over there, it's not on me right now. So, so they said it. Oh, 
are you bringing any food with you? Uh-huh. I was like, or no, they said, are you, do you bring any meat? Uh-huh. With and what? I was like, instant ramen, there's no meat in that. Yeah. Was oh, that what you said all that? So, no. Uh-huh. But, but <laughs> that, 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 that's my excuse if they uh-huh. open my luggage, you know? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was just instant ramen. You know, I can't yeah. read Japanese. I don't it's know what just this noodles. Is. Yeah, it's just I thought it was just noodles. I don't know. I can't read Japanese. Yeah. Yeah. So I just said no to everything, and uh-huh. I just walked through. Okay, that's not way of ramen endorsed, but I know that people do that. So very cool. Um, because I did something like that too. Okay, Plague <laughs> Plague Ram X asks, how do you take the best ramen photos on Instagram? Oh, I wouldn't say they're the best. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I know he's being genuine too, you know. Like this guy's very a very genuine person. So he's not trying to troll you at all. He just saying like he admires your stuff. Yeah. So I just use my phone for all my photos oh. and videos. It's a Google Pixel 3A. Oh, nice. Yeah. When you put up that video that one time of you making ramen, how did you get that one done? Who shot that for you? It's kind of like a long time ago. Uh, that was my roommate. Oh, okay. Yeah, my roommate Peter, he uh, he does videos. So I asked him if he would do like this trailer for me. And that was when I hosted some people at my place. We had a little ramen get together. Uh-huh. How, do you do that often, like make ramen for other people and have them come over and stuff? Uh, I want to do it more often. I don't do it in, often enough. Because I want I want to get more feedback. Mm-hmm. But Peter, being my roommate, he's he gets free ramen all the time for me. <laughs> yeah, that's so. that's a question that I asked. Um, who did I ask? I can't remember who I asked. Jonathan, I think it was the last episode I asked him, like, how do you know if your ramen is good or it sucks? Like, with you know, like if you're making ramen yeah. and you like it, like it, the only real way to do that, I guess, is get a lot of people to try it and then ask them. I don't know. Like, well, how do you know? Well, other people could try it, but then if they've never had proper ramen before mm. they still wouldn't give you like the best feedback mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and not to sound cocky or anything but i've had a ton of ramen in japan uh-huh. i kind of know like i can gauge where i'm at a little bit more. yeah yeah that was the advice that keizo gave me too he says you just need to eat more ramen and then you'll be able to tell if you're getting if you're in the right direction yeah. yeah, and not just like you should have bad ramen as well mm-hmm. to see what bad ramen tastes like. <laughs> what if you like bad ramen? <laughs> like, what if you go to Japan and you have all the ramen tastes great? A good portion of that probably would be bad ramen, right? It's true, but <laughs> even their bad ramen is good ramen here (laughs) yeah that's true that's true like i've heard like so there's some pretty like well i'm not gonna say who these instagram uh, accounts are but there's like some pop-up shops 
around the world. You know, like I look at the stuff like, oh, it's pretty good. And like they'll post stories like, oh man, like they're uh, like all their customers are saying like they love their ramen. And yeah. then people that I know will go eat there and they're like, that actually wasn't very good at all, you know? And so it's like, I guess, yeah, you really, that's, that's just kind of what I think about. Like, man, how do you, for a lot of people, I think, you know, who are, a lot of us are isolated making ramen, like just isolated places. That's why the online community is so strong. Like just getting to make sure, making sure that your ramen is actually good. I think Kazel's advice probably, and your advice too, tasting more ramen is the best thing to do. Yeah. 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 All right. Original Kano asks, what is your day job and how many, how much ramen do you eat every week? <laughs> <laughs> I am a pharmacist by profession. <laughs> But that's not my day job because I technically, I work nights. Uh-huh. Your night job is a pharmacist? My night job, yeah. And how many bowls? Uh, so I've been keeping track of how many bowls I've been eating this year. I'm up to 60 so far. So I don't think there's been 60 days in the year yet. <laughs> Uh, no, nah, I don't think so. 31 plus nah. 26. So. Yeah. So I'm more than one bowl a day. <laughs> <laughs> How do you keep track of that? Are you keeping track of like Google spreadsheet or something or just, no, like just a note, notepad? Inst- Instagram. <clears throat> oh, I see. I see. Yeah. So every poll I post it on Instagram with a number in front of it. Oh, I see. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I was wondering if there's like an app for that, like where people can, you know, like there's like people who drink wine. There's like wine apps that you can track, like how many gla- things, bottles of wine you drank and things like that. Oh, really? Yeah. If there's yeah. like a ramen version of that where you can like track your bowls and the best ones. And there's like a community feed where everybody could see like the best ranking stuff, you know, that'd be pretty cool. Mm. I should make that. Anyways. Big Bear Eats asks, what is the, what is the best and easiest way to make chashu? The best and and easiest. <laughs> okay, well, well, what's the best way and what's the easiest way? Well, it really depends on what kind of chashu you're making. Uh-huh. Like, are you doing chicken? If you're doing like chicken chashu, I think the best is sous vide. But if you're doing pork, what kind of pork? Like, are you doing shoulder? Are you doing pork belly? Uh, then that can vary based on your preference as well. Mm-hmm. Best is very relative term. What's your, what's your favorite chashu? Like your fa- if you have to make chashu your go-to. Um, I really like sous vide. Mm-hmm. How tender the meat is. But it's also a lot more work it takes a long not time re- not really because all you're doing is setting the temperature yeah but you it just, just takes a long w- time yeah you just have to wait a long time yeah yeah and you have to know like this the temperature and timings for the chashu so and then you're torching after right even when you sous vide you're torching after sometimes yeah sometimes i torch <laughs> Not always, though. Not always. 
Yeah. Is torching like as popular in Japan now? It doesn't seem like I you just look on Instagram. You see a lot of rare chashu now, you know, like the short yeah. shoulder rare chashu. It seems like they're they're warming it up just by steaming it a little bit. Like the, the, the torch chashu doesn't seem as common as it is in America, it seems like ubiquitous, you know, like everybody does torch chashu. Yeah. That's that's a really big trend in Japan that mm-hmm. where I, I found out about it actually from just following those Japanese ramen Instagrammers. Mm-hmm. Keep Dude. seeing it all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that just that just reminds I should try to get Ochiman TV on the podcast because Backyard Ramen might be able to help me translate for him. So, dude, that'd be sick. Dude, I should try to get him. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, anyways, I'm just thinking out loud. I don't. So that was the last question for for the um from the the audience. Do you have any plans to do like a pop up or anything, or do you just want to continue making ramen at home, enjoying the process of making ramen? What's your future plans? I guess. You're a pharmacist, so you don't have to worry about making money making ramen. So. Yeah, I mean, I would consider it mm-hmm. down the, down the road, but for now, I just want to host like smaller dinner parties, and that way I can have more control over the bowls. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but pop, I I wouldn't uh, eliminate the possibility of a pop up. Uh huh. What would you yeah. serve at your pop up if you had one? Hmm, I'd probably do something simple like a show you just to get people interested. Uh-huh. Maybe if that's successful, then the next one I'll do something more challenging. Uh-huh. What do you think like the the uh, American palette is ready to transition to shoyus and more clean shintans and things? Or is it still like tonkotsu or gotta get the tonkotsu mm. you know what the interesting thing is i was talking to this about with backyard ramen last night is that i never realized when i started my youtube channel i never realized like how many asian people would want to learn how to make ramen <laughs> it kind of makes sense in hindsight you know and i think yeah. there's like you know like pho in vietnam and like there's chinese chintan soups too and like all these cultures have like this noodle soups basically and most of them are not python thick soups they're clear and things like that and so yeah it's, it's just interesting to see i never thought about that and it's, it's just interesting um but i know as far as like the american palette it seems like they still love that tonkotsu i did the survey on youtube what's your favorite style and tonkotsu was like 50 percent or something you know oh yeah yeah i don't know i i want our palette like the american palette to towards more fish uh-huh. guilt kai and because yeah, yeah. that is still like nobody knows what that is so small steps <laughs> yeah 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 small steps education and, yeah uh, people tasting yeah. better ramen cool man <laughs> all right so tell everybody um tell everybody where they can find you online and uh follow you on instagram and stuff yeah, so I only have Instagram. It's uh, ramen two underscores addict, and yeah, I post a lot of stories of me making ramen. 
Cool. And you're always available if people ask you questions, have questions for you and stuff. Yeah, I welcome welcome questions all the time. All right, cool, man. Thanks for saying. Uh, thanks so much for doing this. Really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much again to Hung for coming on the show. We've been trying to set this episode up for a while, and I'm finally glad we were able to connect and make it happen. If you want to check out the bowls that Hung's been eating or making, please give him a follow on Instagram. It's at ramen underscore underscore addict. He's almost always making or eating ramen, so you'll have a lot to check out there. If you're in the DMV area, hit him up and see if you guys can get together to make some ramen. If you have any questions or comments about this show, please feel free to connect with me on Instagram as well, at wayoframen. Give me some suggestions of some people you'd like to see on the show and I'll try to get them on. Also, if you guys want to follow my ramen making progress as I continue to try to learn how to make ramen, you can find me on YouTube. Just search The Way of Ramen and my channel should pop up there. And finally, if you guys are enjoying this podcast, if you guys like it, it would really mean a lot to me if you guys could leave a comment on whatever platform you're using to listen to this on, whether it's Apple Podcast or Google Podcast or Spotify, wherever you can leave a comment about this show please leave a comment. That helps out a lot. Also, just tell your friends. If you have people that like to make ramen that you know, tell them about the show. Tell them about the YouTube channel. That helps me out a lot too. All right. I'll see you guys all in the next episode. Peace.